So right. we're still in the middle of the pandemic. I got my uh, my second dose of the Pfizer vaccine on Monday. And I didn't want to tell anybody, but Tuesday I felt like I got hit by a, a truck. truck. So I also, I also got my shot on Friday. And if you remember, I told you on Saturday I felt a bit unwell. Uh, you told me to just that's not what you said you didn't say that don't suck suck it up and don't be a baby and meanwhile you're cowering under the covers uh i was under the covers yes under the covers uh only because uh, watching prices right and drinking uh, tomato soup i have a low tolerance for like being sick and like i I, like i become a toddler when i'm not feeling well so it was more than a man cold so i believe this is a good segue into our Weekly slash PRN COVID-19 update, PRN. So uh, with your co-host, Dr. Sir Sugger, as well as our fully vaccinated uh, co-host, Dr. Clinton Coleman. So, you know, Clinton, what I hope to do today, very briefly, yet very eloquently, as I always do, uh, kind of quickly discuss vaccinations for COVID-19 and dispel some rumors and myths, etc. So I hope you're cool with that. So, uh, as always, I'm going to let you kind of fire off the questions, um, you know. So, where are we at as far as vaccines? How many different ones are there? Um, how are people getting them? I think it's good to have a 30-second little history lesson of vaccines, you know. So, we go back to Jenner and the cowpox protecting and smallpox. So, that was like... How are you going to do that in 30 seconds? You just, just take... If you don't interrupt me, then that's... Oh, I'm, I'm along for the ride. I'm holding on. All right. So, look. Where do we go from there? We went, we said, hey, we'll take a virus and we'll make it weak. We call that live attenuated. That's how we got measles, mumps, rubella, chickenpox vaccine. Then we said, hey, you know what? Why don't we just inactivate the virus? So it's a dead virus and inject it into people. And that's how we got hep B, excuse me, hep A, hepatitis A, as well as the oral polio. Then someone got smart and said, you know what? Instead of giving the whole virus, why don't we just give a piece of the virus? And so we give a viral particle. And that is how we got hep B uh, uh, vaccine. But, you know, 2020, in addition to the year uh, of the pandemic, in addition to the year that uh, it was announced that coming to America sequel was coming to fruition, that is a year that vaccine technology completely changed to genetic uh, and molecular vaccines. And we have two really types, DNA and RNA. Uh, now, I know you may have slept during um, biochem. Uh, sure did. Mess, you did, all right. But you know, RNA, I don't know if you know this, RNA was labeled by Time Magazine as the molecule of the year. So that's a little tidbit for you. And what we now have is two different messenger RNA vaccines, uh, both Pfizer in, in collaboration with a German company, Biotech, as well as Moderna. All right. So what we're doing with it, this is revolutionizing vaccines, not only for COVID-19, but hopefully for uh, uh, future viral pandemics as well as possible applications for things like cancer, we call immunotherapy, as even gene editing. So if you want to go from wavy hair that you have right now to maybe more, uh, you know, a different hairstyle like mine, uh, we can maybe change those genes. So a lot of information in that 30 seconds, but that's really the evolution of vaccines uh, done very quickly. Uh, So what do you want to know? What do you want to know? We're going to talk about messenger RNA. Again, a type of RNA molecule of the year. So without getting into like the nitty gritty, can you tell us about the, the, the different types of vaccines? Is one better than the other? How are All we right. getting it? Do we have to get it once, twice, three, three times, times the lady? lady. Yeah. Three times the lady. All right. So both, let's talk about the RNA vaccines. RNA is basically the workhorse of DNA. DNA stays in the middle of the cell, the nucleus, 
RNA is what goes out and does all the magic, right? So we're basically scientists said, you know what? Let's take this RNA that makes proteins, let's program it like a, like a computer, the code, and let's code for a piece of the virus uh, that we know causes trouble in humans. And that, of course, is the spike protein that we've talked about before. So the messenger RNA goes into the body. Um, now, if it goes into the body, our body will attack it. So we need to put it into a little particle we call nanoparticle. And that nanoparticle is actually what requires a vaccine for Pfizer to be so cold, but there's not the same cold requirements for Moderna. So that's the first major uh, difference in the two vaccines. Once that messenger RNA goes in, it's like a little coding machine. It makes a protein. That protein is the antigen. That's the target of our, of our antibodies. And so that's the spike protein. Now that messenger RNA and the nanoparticle, poof, go away. And we are now left with that protein. The body says, hey, man, what's up with that? It makes antibodies against that. So next time you see actual COVID, you already have antibodies floating around. It's going to recognize that protein, go in, attack it, and kill it. So that very quickly is what a messenger RNA vaccine does. And why is that important to understand? Why is it important to understand how it works? Well, because one, it helps to dispel any myths. The messenger RNA does not go into your cell and change your DNA. So contrary to popular opinion, uh, it's not going to re rewrite your genetic code. It is not going to install a computer chip for you to be uh, uh, to be to be followed by big uh, big tech. Uh, and there's only a few things in this vaccine. So there's no eggs, there's no preservatives, there's messenger RNA which get, goes away very quickly. There's a nanoparticle which is really lipids. There's some sugar and salt to just kind of balance the acidity and stabilize the molecule, and that's it. So, so who are the people? That, so who are the people huh? who can't take the? vaccines based on allergies. So it's not shellfish and seafood. It's not egg allergies. No, it's not. Allergies. had a severe anaphylactic type reaction to vaccines in the past. So that okay. is throat swelling, uh, throat closing, hypotension, vascular compromise, wheezing. And that's very far and few between when you see what we call anaphylactic reaction. Right. So now, if you... What about so the if, side effects? So, what about the side effects? Wait, wait, wait. wait. So, yep. so if you have a food allergy... If you have nope. a venom allergy, bee sting, if you have seasonal allergies, it is okay to take the vaccine. Is that what you're saying? That's true. If you have a pollen allergy, it's okay to take the vaccine. There's no chicken. There's no egg. You know, you get the idea here. It's a very simple component, very elegantly, uh, uh, obviously, assembled. But the whole idea of this is this messenger RNA. We'll get into why it's so important and why future vaccines may not take so long as they had in the past, because now we have this messenger RNA vehicle. If you think about it as a code, we can change that code really quickly if, per se, the vaccine um, uh, mutates, which obviously we know it is, and we can talk about that quickly in a little update. But getting back to our example, both the Moderna and Pfizer are two uh, uh, immunizations. Pfizer is three weeks between shot number one and number two. Moderna is four weeks. In both of them, approximately one week after Pfizer, two weeks after Moderna, you're about 50% uh, protected. One week after the second shot of both, you're right around 95% protected. So that shows you how, how powerful these vaccines truly are. Now, do they prevent illness? No, they prevent disease. That's a big difference. You can still get uh, COVID-19 after getting the vaccine. You just won't get sick. So why, you can also still say? transmit it, which is important. You can still transmit. And that's a really key, I think, important point that I want people to understand that are listening out there. It prevents ill, it prevents disease. It does not prevent illness. So I can still get it. It can stay in my nose. It will never establish foothold in my body. I won't get sick. I can still sneeze and cough and transmit it to someone else. So when we look at the studies, they studied, did people get sick? They didn't necessarily study 
did it prevent transmission? Now, we theorize that you'll be much less likely to transmit to someone else because your viral load is how much virus is circulating in your body is much less since it never got foothold into your body, but it's not zero. So we need, people have to still understand that you're still possible to transmit it to someone else. And if they're not vaccinated, you can actually make them sick. So that's why it's still important for things like masks, uh, social hygiene, hand washing, uh, et cetera. So that's number one. And number two, a lot of people out there, what happens with the second dose, right? There, there's, there's a lot of concern. There's a lot of apprehension. And I think, you know, both of us now getting the second uh, dose, we can talk, I think, with a, a good deal of, of, of legitimacy here of what may happen. And first of all, I tell anyone that, yes, there is a good chance uh, that you will have some kind of reaction uh, after getting the second dose. We call that reactogenicity. That is reactogenicity from immunogenicity. That is your immune system is pumping out antibodies. It's getting primed up and working overtime. So I tell people, and I've always told people this, when you have these symptoms, which again are mild overall, yes, you may be in bed for a little time. You may feel fatigued. You may have muscle ache and pain. Now, I know you don't have much muscle mass. You're very lean, <laughs> but you tell me that you actually, muscles that you didn't even know you had, and I'm not even sure where you have them, uh, were aching. Is that true? Yes, my buttocks were aching, oh, every muscle. Oh, so you're, okay, fine, you're right, right. So your gluteus mag, which is still a muscle, uh, which lucky for you, so I guess you can still claim your muscles were hurting. But I tell people, look, just expect it. I personally uh, took the vaccine on a Friday when I knew it was off the weekend, a rare weekend I was off, and I was glad I didn't have to go to work. Uh, you know, I told people that are asking opinions for workplaces, don't have everyone in your department get the second vaccination the same day, lest you have multiple people calling out the next day. So if you're aware that uh, you may have symptoms, and by the way, those symptoms can be managed with Tylenol for fever, uh, acetaminophen or, or, or Motrin or ibuprofen uh, 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 for muscle aches and pains, you know, 24 or 36 hours, if you expect that, and not only, I, I don't want to say embrace, but understand that that's just a reaction, a, a reflection of your body's appropriate response to this vaccine, it's a much more palatable, right? You'll say, okay, I'm sick, but I'm sick for a reason. Right. And you understand this is a very small, tiny price to pay does that, uh, to eradicate this pandemic. Does that correlate with, um, I guess, could you anticipate this? I guess, the reason why I'm asking is because it seems to be in younger people. And in my yes. anecdotal experience, there's been more males than females. Do you think that's, um, can you extrapolate that to severe reactions with COVID disease, like random young men getting no. a severe reaction? Yeah, so we, we are seeing in general those over 60 having much more mild reactogenicity, if at all, after getting the second shot. And we surmise, uh, which I know is a big word, but that really means that we theorize, uh, that we that that's a reflective of a more robust immune response from the younger populations. And that more robust immune response in terms of response to the vaccine. But from, to answer your question, we also see that in people who get COVID. Oftentimes it's the younger people who are most afflicted or the 40s, 50-year-olds. That also could be because of that robust immune response. But of course, in terms of COVID, body starts throwing everything in the kitchen sink, gets a little haywire, and inadvertently causes collateral damage, right? And we see that right. with this cytokine storm, so to speak, that we've talked about numerous times on the show, where the body uh, is now kind of been induced to just throwing out all these, you know, everything it has, what we call inflammatory markers, cytokines, but, you know, I tell patients everything in the kitchen sink, and inadvertently, the virus disappears, says, see you later, and now you're left with this hyper uh, immune state where the body is really just kind of throwing out everything it has and inadvertently causing damage and oftentimes the lungs. 
Now, of course, in the vaccine state, you're just getting immune response to that part of the virus that causes damage. That's why you have this reactogenicity. I think it's, I know I'm kind of uh, repeating myself, but I think it's really important for people out there that are contemplating when their time comes to get the vaccine to understand that, yes, there's a chance, significant chance. In this trial, it was about 30 to 40% uh, of having, uh, you know, moderate reactions and, and, and probably more with mild reactions. But if you prepare for that ahead of time mentally as well as physically, as well as, you know, getting your well, the next day off from school or work, what have you, and understanding that it's just a response uh, to and what your body should be doing. Right. It's an appropriate I mean, it's response. Working. It's working. Yeah, then, then you feel much better about things, you know. And so I said, hey, man, I guess I have a good immune response. I guess I have a good immune system. It's doing what it's supposed to be doing. Yes, I feel a little crappy. It got me out of walking a dog. It got me out of uh, washing the dishes, which was nice. Although I'm paying for it this week uh, as I got better. But you know what? I just I planned ahead of time. Um, I had this reaction. I did. I was able to treat with fluids, rest. I took some uh, ibuprofen as needed, and now you know I feel much more. Uh, I'm happy and, and honored and and actually excited and gratified. You know, really grateful. Quite frankly, that's that's the word I'm looking for. Yeah. Grateful to have had uh, uh, be able to experience this vaccine early on in this pandemic. And currently we're on the phase of one A and one B. So. Um, you know, healthcare providers, right. first responders, your, your yes, so forth and so on. Um, if, and and people older than seventy-five. Prison. Yeah, yes. So, um, yeah. do you can you give us some information on where if you if you're in one of those categories where you can get the vaccine from, or at least well, get more information? Course, in, the, in the lovely uh, Garden State of New Jersey, there's a uh, I don't know exact web address, but we can. Uh, Look it up later, and I'm going to have it uh, on our on our YouTube channel. New Jersey's uh, it's New Jersey.gov, yeah. I believe. Where you register yourself based on your age, um, your core morbidities. Are you diabetic? Do you have chronic illnesses, etc.? And then you'll be emailed or contacted. But the whole idea here is that we were hoping for 20 million doses by the end of uh, 2020. We're nowhere near that. Last I checked, around six and a half million in the United States. Quickly ramping up. Um, I can tell you in Teaneck, where Holy Name Medical Center is located uh, in conjunction with the Department of Health, they're opening up just down the street from the hospital, a uh, public health area where you can come in and schedule online and, uh, you know, running up, maybe not 24-7 like they're doing in New York, by the way, which is amazing, right. but having, you know, seven days a week appointments for the vaccine. So this is what we need. And we may need to be even more innovative, right? We may need to have uh, movie theaters have mass vaccinations, drive-in vaccinations. Um, or Popeye's after you, with, your, uh, you know, after you get your right chicken sandwich. Yeah, or go to Walmart, you know, uh, get your large box uh, of, of cereal that will last you six weeks, as well as get your vaccine. Although I, I don't think they're giving away free samples like they used to, which is unfortunate. But I used I to know. enjoy my, I used to have a whole meal. You know, you go to Walmart or you go to, sorry. Oh, that's Costco. 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 I Costco actually. Walmart I haven't been to in a while. I'll just uh, go like during the day and walk around and just get samples. It's like, it's, there's nothing better than life in that. There is, especially, yeah, something about food, free food uh, on a toothpick that really gets to my heart. Man, man. It's a lot man. Yes. So that's really where we're at. You know, we have a lot more going on, and I'm going to just do a rapid do you fire. Think, do you think that'll change once the once one-time doses or the one-time vaccines? So I know Johnson & Johnson is working on one. Another New Jersey company, Johnson & Johnson, is you know working on a different delivery uh, system. This is not a RNA vaccine. This is actually a DNA vaccine. And they're using uh, recombinant DNA. And they are basically using a vector. So they use something called an adenovirus. They use harmless in, in, in humans and delivering that. Now, 
again, the advantage doesn't have the cold storage requirements. It's only one shot. DNA uh, vaccines are, are uh, disadvantages. It has to get into the nucleus of a cell. So it's a little bit more work for the vaccine as opposed to the cytoplasm where the RNA goes. But those are subtle differences like, you know, that the science geeks like me that love to discuss, which I'll avoid because I don't want to go right over your head. Um, but yes, the more vaccines, the better, the more types of vaccines, the better. Why? Because we're going to COVID-19, SARS-CoV-2, the virus that causes COVID-19 is not going anywhere. Most likely this will become endemic into our species. It will become seasonal like the other, uh, 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 what we call, uh, non-novel uh, coronaviruses, the seasonal coronaviruses. Remember, there's four coronaviruses that happen every year, and there's been three novel. There was SARS back in 2003. Uh, there was MERS, Middle Eastern Restoration in 2015, and of course now COVID-19 that showed up uh, December 31st, uh, 2019. So I, most of us think that this is going to stay endemic within us. At the current rate of mutation, no one knows for sure, but it's certainly possible or plausible that we're going to need uh, additional shots going forward. Right now, the current rate of mutation, the best guess is three years, but that may change, you know, so we have to wait and see. So why am I saying this? Because we need to have, for supply chain purposes, production purposes, multiple types of vaccines and multiple companies and production of vaccines available. Uh, because this is not like measles, uh, you know, or mumps, rubella, where usually it's one right. shot and you're done. You know, we're, get, we're most likely, in, it may not be annual like influenza, but most likely it'll be every few years. That exact timeline is to be determined. So, But not even going that... Not even going that far ahead, I think people are, in order just to get back to some sense of society Normal. normalcy, there has to be a certain level of herd immunity. Absolutely. You know, and herd so immunity is how, based yeah. on, uh, I was going to say, it's based on efficacy and the number of people um, that are vaccinated. So if you have a lower efficacy the the virus, you need more people to be uh, vaccinated. Luckily, we have with Pfizer and Moderna right around approximately 94.3 to 95, 94.3 uh, to 95%, so let's say 95% for simplicity, 95% uh, efficacy. So you can allow for slightly less of the population uh, to be vaccinated than you would if it was a lower efficacy. That efficacy, by the way, is unheard of for most vaccines. Remember for influenza, seasonal influenza, oftentimes it's barely 50, you know, 50 to 65%. So we're very lucky in that regard. But you're absolutely right. We need the rollout to be much more, um, uh, broad than it has been thus far. United States have been lagging. You can imagine New York, New Jersey is behind Alaska and West Virginia in terms of what? percentage of population per capita that have been uh, vaccinated. So, you know, it's rolled out by the federal government, but then each state has their own decision making of how to give it, where to give it. There's been, you know, it's not been a smooth um, uh, 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 rollout. That's not my opinion. That's fact. That's obviously been echoed by top ID physician, Dr. Fauci. Uh, so, you know, this is something that we're, we'll hopefully smooth out as we move forward, but I think it's important for us to constantly update people and to avoid all this misinformation of the vaccine, that no, there's no computer chip, no, it's not going to reprogram your DNA, no, you're not going to get COVID from this. And that's why if you understand some of the basics of messenger RNA, you're going to say, oh, this is not possible. There is no virus in this. The, the nanoparticle in the messenger RNA degrades very quickly. It just leaves this protein that's harmless in the body, but now your, your body will make antibodies against it. But when that protein is attached to the virus, it can cause havoc. But now you have antibodies that quickly go in and inactivate uh, the virus. And so I think everything I just said there is just kind of bring it full circle. And if people can understand that and tell their friends, tell their neighbors, uh, tell their postman, whatever, more and more people will understand why it's so important uh, to get the vaccine. Well said. Well, I appreciate that. Well said. And the mock turtleneck sweater. Cool.
You know, it's a cold day in New Jersey, but we're looking for better. Well, your neck's not cold. Yeah. <laughs> I need to breathe. I need the air. You know, it's, it's what helps me give my uh, my my good skin color and skin the aerodynamics. Tone. But what I think we should do is continue uh, as a PRN basis. I know you like that word. Uh, continue with these COVID-19 and specific vaccine updates. I mean, there's obviously updates for therapeutics and monoclonal antibodies and looking at new medications, but it's a lot for one day. So we'll leave it there and wrap it up. What do you think? Sounds good. Till next time, be well.